Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Hey everybody, I wanted to remind you again that it's such an honor that you would join with us today, whether you're a part of the in-person experience or the online experience. And by the way, if you are part of the online experience today, I just ask you to do one favor. Could you please take a second and text the keyword online, online to 604-670-3040. And when you do that, you're gonna get back a a questionnaire that'll take you about five minutes to fill out. And and what we wanna do is we wanna partner with you. We we wanna continue to innovate. We wanna continue to find, find ways to to challenge, to encourage, to teach, and to stretch us, whether we are part of the online or the in-person experience. So years ago, I did this wedding. And as is the case with so many of the weddings that I officiate, uh, the highlight was a chance to get to know an amazing couple through the process of the pre-marriage counseling. Now, I didn't know uh, either of their families at all, but that was gonna change on the day of the rehearsal. So it started, I arrived at the venue for the rehearsal about five minutes early, and as I was getting out of my car, I got a phone call from the groom-to-be, and he just said, Mike, I'm so sorry, we're not going to be there for another 20 minutes. Is there any way you can just hang out and wait for us? I said, absolutely. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful setting. I'll just get the lay of the land and wait for you here. And so I did that. I walked around, and at one point, I walked into this side room, kind of off the main auditorium, and there were three guys in there. And I could tell right away, these guys were wingnuts, like off the rails. In other words, they were my kind of guys. Okay, now, I'm pretty sure they did not see me walk into the room. And if they did see me walk into the room, they most certainly did not know who I was. They didn't know I was a pastor. Because they were talking about the plans that they had for that night in vivid details. And the kind of plans that they were making and the kind of details that they were sharing were not the kind of plans and not the kind of details that one normally shares when in a room with a pastor. So I waited for a few minutes and then I walked over. I said, hey guys, my name is Mike Manis. I'm the pastor that's going to be officiating uh, the wedding tomorrow. And they got real pale. They started to stammer. Oh man, oh man, oh man. They're like, oh, pastor, pastor, pastor. We are so sorry. We're, we're the groomsmen for the wedding. Okay, that's kind of funny because now I knew that they were the groom-to-be's three brothers. They said, oh, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. I said, what are you guys sorry for? I said, well, the things that we are talking about, the plans that we are making, that's not the kind of stuff you should talk about in front of a pastor. I said, I got a question for you guys. It's actually just true or false. Here's a question. You guys are imperfect, true or false. (laughs) And they laughed and they said, ah, that's true. Yes, you could say we are not perfect. I said, that's amazing because I'm not perfect either. So we got that in common which is incredible, and, and, and I want to give you one more thing that we have in common, and we happen to be standing close to this window, and the window was overlooking this incredible scene. There was a lake, and on the other side of the lake, there was a pine forest, just incredible. And I said, you know what's amazing? The God who created everything that we're looking at right now loves us perfectly, even in our imperfection. The God of the universe loves us perfectly in spite of our imperfection, We got that in common too. Isn't that awesome? And so we stood there for a second and no one talked. And then one of them said, what church are you a pastor at? I said, Southside. They said, we should check it out sometime. I said, what do you you mean sometime? 
I said, you need to come like this weekend. I expect you guys to be there. And they laughed. And one of the guys said, we'll have to see what our dad says. I found that pretty confusing. These weren't little kids. These weren't even teenagers. These were big, tough, young adult men. And they didn't seem like the kind of guys who needed their dad's permission to do anything, let alone attend church. But I didn't have long to be confused because the bride and groom arrived uh, about that time. So we went down to the lake and we did the rehearsal and it was awesome. And on the way back up from the lake to the parking lot where our cars were, I was walking with the three grooms and we were having a great time. I think they were trash talking me. I told them that I was an Edmonton Oilers fan and they're Canucks fans and so they were making fun of me. But we were having a great time and all of a sudden one of them glanced behind us. And then he looked at his brothers and went like that, and they looked behind them, and then all of a sudden they scattered. I'm like, that was weird. So I looked behind me, and it turns out their dad was picking up the pace to catch up to me. And he said, Pastor, I need a word with you. I said, absolutely. He said, I want to talk about the way that you pray. I said, the, the way that I pray? Sure, sure, sure. He said, I really don't appreciate your tone. Like, you talk to God like he's kind of like your buddy. It's not nearly formal enough. He said, in our family, and now I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say this, but I'm thinking to myself, oh, I know your family a little bit. In fact, I know what your three sons are up to tonight. I'm not so sure that you do, but anyways, I'll let him continue. He says, in our family, we always start our prayers this way, our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father. And we would never dream of calling God you. We call him thou. And so I would formally request that you pray in this fashion at the ceremony. Okay, so that's legalism. And legalism is from the pit of hell. You see, Mike, that, that's a little hyperbolic, isn't it, Mike? Like, aren't you exaggerating a little bit? No, I'm not, actually. See, because legalism is contract-based spirituality. In other words, legalism says that God will do his part as long as you do your part. Le legalism adds an if to the message of the gospel. Legalism says this, God loves you if. God saves you if. God forgives you if. God has a plan for you if. Uh, legalism gives us all kinds of hoops to jump through. Maybe that hoop is that you need to pray using King James English. Maybe that hoop is that you've got to wear a certain kind of clothes. You've got to vote for a certain kind of political party. You've got to watch a certain kind of movie. You've got to listen to a certain kind of music. Legalism is a destroyer. And what broke my heart as I walked away from that conversation that day was for those three boys. Like, you know there was a time, right, when they were little boys. <clears throat> and they knew that God loved them. And they knew that God was for them. And they were excited about it, but somewhere along the line, they stumbled. And they failed to jump through the right hoop. And at that point, they lost their hope. And they stopped caring. Legalism is from the pit of hell. Because it's contract-based spirituality. See, the gospel isn't a contract. The gospel is a covenant. The gospel says that God sent his son Jesus into human history and that Jesus died and rose again. 
And when he did that, he did his part and he did your part too. And so what's left for you and what's left for me to do is just to receive. And, and the gospel is salvation. It's a free and perfect gift from God. And it's also an invitation. It's an invitation. So in other words, <clears throat> The, the, the gospel has a different conjunction. The conjunction is not if, the conjunction is so. God loves you, so you can trust him. God loves you, so you can follow him. God has a plan for your life, so you need to take it. It's an invitation. And that's what we see play out here in Nehemiah chapter 10. So uh, the, the walls of Jerusalem have been rebuilt the gates have been hung, and, and Nehemiah gathers all the people of Jerusalem together, and he says, well, now that the, the walls are up and the gates have been hung, why don't we build something beautiful? Within these walls and behind these gates, why don't we build something beautiful? And he gives the people an invitation, a covenant. And this is their response. This is the, the first of three responses that the people make. They say this in, chap- in verse 30 of chapter 10 of Nehemiah. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the people around us or take their daughters for our sons. So basically what they're saying is we won't marry anybody who doesn't believe in God. And you might look at that and go, that sounds like legalism, Mike. And I want to stop right there and I want to suggest to you that, that, that we need to remember that a covenant is salvation a free gift of eternal life, but it's also an invitation into abundant life. In other words, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I showed up in human history so that you could have an abundant life. So covenant is also an invitation. And an invitation not to change the past because we can't do that. So even as I bring up this whole topic of marriage and dating and relationships and sexuality, I know for many of us, we're starting to close off because we're looking back and we're saying, man, I have some regrets. I have some shame. I have some hoops that I didn't jump through. So all is lost. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. Because the gospel is an invitation not to change yesterday, but to take hold of today. Start today. God loves you, so you can trust him. Let him handle the past. You take hold of today. So I want to talk a little bit about relationships, sexuality, and marriage, and to do so, I want to take you back to everything I learned about relationships and sexuality on the mean streets of Red Deer, Alberta. Okay, so let's start in grade seven. After my parents became Christians, they put me in kind of a church version of Cub Scouts called Cadets. And in grade seven, I went on a cadet campout. Okay, so my buddy and I were both in grade seven, and we got stuck in a tent uh, with two older guys. These two older guys, they were in grade nine, maybe grade 10. I don't even remember their names, but I do remember what they packed for the weekend. So unlike my grade seven buddy and myself, we, we packed super nips and potato chips and pop and a football and a frisbee. These guys packed pornography, stacks and stacks of magazines. And throughout the entire weekend of that campout, what they did is they flipped through those magazines, they looked them over and then they showed them to us. And so for me in grade seven, that was the first time that I had ever seen a woman naked. And the way, the way that I'm created, there was something about that that I found attractive. So let's review. 
What did I learn that weekend from those guys? I learned that a woman is a body. A woman is a body, and what's her value? Her value is physical. So when I got home from that camp out, there was a song that was really, really popular on the radio. The song was by Tommy Two-Tone, and the, and the name of the song was called Jenny. Jenny, and apparently there was this woman named Jenny, and, and she wrote her number on the bathroom wall, and she wrote that if you want a good time, call this number. And by the way, if you are from my generation or anywhere close to my generation, I bet you know Jenny's number. In fact, I will go as far as to say this. If you are the first one, whether you're joining us for the online experience or the in-person experience, or you're, if you're the first one to text in Jenny's phone number and get it right, I'll send you a $5 Starbucks card. But you got to do it before I tell you the answer, which I'm going to do right now. 8675309. That was Jenny's number. 8675309. So let's review. I'm 11, maybe 12 years old. What do I know? What's a woman? A woman is a body. What's her value? Her value is physical. What's her purpose? A good time. So I moved through middle school, grade 7, grade 8, and grade 9. And what I noticed is with every passing month, more and more people in middle school were dating. And I wasn't really interested in dating during middle school. I was a really late bloomer. I didn't even hit puberty until the summer between grade 9 and grade 10. So what did I like doing during middle school? Riding bikes and playing football and playing hockey and, and doing that kind of stuff with my buddies. But more and more, my buddies didn't want to play hockey. They didn't want to play football anymore. They wanted to walk to 7-Eleven with their girlfriends. Middle school dating. Middle school dating. You know, you write a note, you give it to your friend, he gives it to her friend, and then she gives, and, and she gives it to, to her, but now you have that plausible deniability. You know, you have some distance between you and her. In case she doesn't like you, you can deny it. But what I noticed throughout middle school is more and more, all the cool kids were dating. So let's review. By the age of 13 or 14, what did I learn? Well, what's a woman? A woman is a body. What's her value? Her value is physical. What's her purpose? A good time and self-esteem. And once I got to high school and even the first couple years out of high school, for uh, my friends in Red Deer and for me, what a woman became was a status symbol. If you had a beautiful woman who would date you, that was a status symbol for you. Now, I should share that I was not the sharpest tool in the shed, nor were any of my friends. But for us, it became a status symbol. And when I think about it now, I don't think it was just us. Because I noticed something during those years. The, the more things that I did that gained me notoriety in Red Deer, which looking back now, another way to say that, the more breathtakingly stupid things I did at that time, the longer the line of girls who wanted to hang out with me and be seen with me. Status symbol. So let's review. I'm 17, 18 years old. What do I know? A woman, a woman is a body. What's her value? Well, her value is physical. What's her purpose? A good time, self-esteem, and a status symbol. Now, this is going to shock you. This is going to absolutely amaze you. It turns out that Tommy Tutone and the Red Deer rocket scientists were wrong. Actually, that doesn't shock you at all, does it? I would suggest that um, the wrongness of what we thought is self-evident 
But in order to illustrate it, let's go back to the beginning for just a second. So in the beginning, God spoke the universe into existence, and he created the first man, Adam. And I want to think about how weird that was, because he created Adam like the body. And, and so now there's Adam the body, physical Adam, and he's lying there on the ground in the Garden of Eden. But, but he's not alive, he's lifeless. Until God goes over and breathes the breath of life. The Hebrew word is pneuma, it means spirit. And once God breathes the spirit into Adam, Adam lives. In other words, Adam is primarily spiritual, just like you, just like me. Adam had a body. Adam had a brain. Adam was a soul. So Adam's living the life in the Garden of Eden. He's walking with God. He's talking with God. He's, he's, uh, his self-esteem is secure. His status is secure. He's having a good life. But somewhere along the line, Adam's doing this job. He's naming all the animals. And God looks at Adam and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And I want you to think about this just for a second because it's actually really important. I want you to think about the fact, did God look at Adam that day and say, you know what? Adam really needs a body to keep him warm. You know what I mean? He needs some physical. He needs a good time. He needs some self-esteem. He needs a status symbol. No, that would have been weird because... Adam primarily was spiritual. So his primary needs were what? Spiritual. So God created the first woman, Eve. And Eve is not a body. And her value is not primarily physical. Just like Adam, Eve is spiritual. Eve had a body, she had a brain, but she was a soul. And then the Bible says that the, the two became one. The two became one. And if you would have gone back to Red Deer Mike and said, the Bible says the two became one, I would have said, I know. I know. The two became one. I get it. Sex, right? That's the two becoming one. I got you. I got you. It's all about sex. It's funny, too, because after I became a Christian, I would go to certain churches and I would li listen to certain preachers, and it seemed to me like they thought the same thing. Like I would hear preachers talk about their smoking hot wife. And, and it seemed like to me, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. Okay, so what's a woman? A woman is a, bo a body. A woman is a body. Her value is physical. Her purpose is a good time, self-esteem, and a status symbol. But what's the difference about a Christian? Oh, as a Christian, you wait until after you're married to lust after your smoking hot trophy wife. Got it. Well, that's not true. That's a really superficial view of God's plan for relationships. I would suggest that's self-evident. That it goes a lot deeper than that. So when the Bible says the two become one, it's, it's a soul-level oneness. It's a whole life connection. It, it is physical, but it's also uh, relational, emotional, mental, uh, spiritual. And so Adam found out the same thing as I found out when I met Corinne. She's my best friend. And I, and I, and I look at her and it's so much deeper than physical, of course. 
because I realize that her wisdom surpasses my own in so many areas and her knowledge surpasses my own in so many areas. In fact, I'll give you one of the areas that Corinne's knowledge greatly surpasses my own. Um, how I'm doing. How I'm doing. Like, it's really weird because every once in a while I'll be standing with Corinne and someone will come up and say, hey, Mike, how are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? And I'll look and I'll say, Corinne, how am I doing? And she has a better idea of how I'm doing than I do. And I used to think that was weird, but the more guys I get to know, the more I realize that this is not completely uncommon. That because of this soul level oneness, because of this whole life connection, There's this knowing. In fact, the King James Version of the Bible says, Adam knew his wife Eve. Isn't that beautiful? To know, to know, to really, really know. And that's a lifelong journey. In fact, I think that whether we're inside the church or outside the church, this whole superficiality, this whole Tommy Two-Tone and the Red Deer Rocket Scientist impression of relationships and sexuality It's missing the point. It's kind of like, you know, when you give a little kid, you get them an expensive present, and you're so excited for them to open up this expensive present and play with it, and they open up the present, and what do they play with? The wrapping paper. And it's like, I think sometimes as a culture, that's what we're doing. We're missing the whole point. God's plan is that we would know. It's a soul-level oneness. So here, here are these people in Jerusalem 2,500 years ago, and they're like, hey, we're not going to marry anyone that doesn't believe in God. That's so stupid. That doesn't make any sense at all. If Tommy Two-Tone and the Red Deer rocket scientists are right, what does it matter? Oh, but, but if it's deeper than that, if it's a soul-level oneness that we're looking for, well, then it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because my relationship with God made possible through his son, Jesus Christ, it absolutely completely changes the complexion of my soul. It changes the past. So in other words, I'm not walking through life with my soul weighed down with the regrets and the baggage from yesterday. Jesus took care of that. And so now I can... I can uh, live the way that Jesus says that I can live. I can live freely and lightly. And, 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 and it changes the complexion of my today. That in other words, I'm not overwhelmed about today because I know that even though uh, I might be facing more than I can handle on my own, I'm never facing more than I can handle with God, one next step at a time. And it changes the way that I look at tomorrow. There's a reason for me. There's a purpose for me. And the same thing is so true of you. You know, that God looked at this world. He looked at this city. He looked at our church. He looked at your neighborhood, your workplace. He looked at your school. He looked at your family. He looked at your marriage. And he said, you know what that place could use? Just a little bit of you. There's a reason for you. God wants to tell an incredible story of redemption through your life. See, it turns out that Tommy Two-Tone and the Red Deer rocket scientists weren't right. It goes way deeper, and it's way better. So I just want to take a moment, and I want to give you three practical steps. Three practical steps that we can take. And I want to be clear here. I'm talking about today an invitation 
not to change the past, but to take hold of today. Okay? So we'll make the best of today. So here's the first thing I would suggest. What we told all four of our sons, what we've always told all four of our sons, is that before you ever date a girl, you will go to her parents and ask for permission. We also told our two daughters that um, any young man who wants to date you needs to come to us and ask for permission. You say, well, that's kind of odd, Mike. I, I want to tell you two reasons why. Here's the first reason. We're not in middle school anymore. There's no hiding. Step up. And, and secondly, and more profoundly and more importantly, is this. I, I want you to sit down with her parents because I want you to remember um, she's not a body. Her primary value is not physical. And she's not there for a good time. She's there that together you might build a good life. She's not your self-esteem. She's not your status symbol. And you know who would know that maybe more than anybody else in the world right now? Her mom and dad. And you sit down with her dad and you ask his permission. And of course, I've had that conversation a couple times with my two daughters. And it's been great. The ability to look at this man and say, man, I've, I've been a protector for Tori. I've been a protector for Emma. And I want to just invite you to be a part of that process with me. I want, to, I want to invite you onto Team Protector. Let's do this. One last thing. Maybe you're somebody and you're thinking, man, I don't have anybody in my life that could have that conversation with, uh, with a young man. Well, if I know you at all, I offer my services. I would be willing to do that for you. I've done that several times and it's always been great. And, and, if, and if I don't know you, but you're looking for somebody, then find someone in your life who loves Jesus and loves you, but just make sure this isn't middle school anymore. It's not about hiding anymore, that somebody would have the ability to step up and have that conversation. It's important, actually. And the second thing is this. Don't date anybody. Don't marry anybody, for sure, who doesn't believe in God, that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Right? Because it's a soul-level connection. And, th and that relationship with Jesus changes your soul completely. It, it changes... Uh, your idea of, of origin, of purpose, of meaning, of strength, of destiny. And thirdly, and finally, let's focus on today. I'm going to tell you one more time. The gospel is salvation and invitation. Salvation is a free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And then it's an invitation into the abundant life that Jesus created for you. When does it start? Right now, today. It's not about changing the past. It's about taking hold of today. So let's start today. So if you look back at your life and you go, man, I, I, I missed a bunch of hoops. I didn't jump through a bunch of hoops. That's okay. Let's move on. If you have to make some apologies about the past, make the apologies. Let's move on. Or, or maybe you're in a marriage right now and what you realize is that soul-level oneness that I'm talking about, man, you guys aren't experiencing that. That's okay, start today. Reintroduce yourself to your spouse. Husbands, go to your wife and say, man, these are my hopes and these are my dreams and I just wanted you to know. I love the fact that I've been married to Corinne for almost 30 years now and I'm still excited to get to know her better. It's amazing. And lastly, I want to say this. Today, right now, take hold of this truth. Whether you're married or whether you're single. Your self-esteem is not in question. You are loved fully and completely and absolutely by the God of the universe. Your self-esteem is not in question. 
You don't need a status, a status symbol. You want to know why? Your status is complete. The, the box is checked off. You know what your status is? Your status says this, worth dying for. That's it. That's true. Take hold of that today. So just as I close, I want to let you know that that's true. Your self-esteem is not in question. God loves you right now. No ifs. Man, your status is not in question. You're worth dying for. So Jesus Christ stepped into human history. He lived, died, and rose again for you. And what that means is that you don't have to carry the baggage of your regrets and the sins of your past around with you anymore. You can take hold of his forgiveness right now and move on today and into the future. So if you've never done that, if you've never said, Jesus, thank you for doing your part, thank you for doing my part, I accept it and move on, I want to give you the chance to do that. So if that's you, what I want to invite you to do right now is just pray sincerely in your heart with me as I pray out loud, wherever you are. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you stepped into human history for me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you rose again for me. So today, Jesus, I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And I also accept your invitation to live the abundant life. I want to follow you one next step at a time, today, tomorrow, and forever. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I would invite you just to take a second right now and text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We don't want to stalk you, but we just want to support you, help you uh, run this race and live this life together with our support. Before I close, I want to remind you one last time. The gospel is salvation and it's an invitation not to change the past but to take hold of today so if you're single today i want you to know god's with you right now he's got a great plan for today let's step into it and if you're married i want to remind you i'm not sure what your past looks like but i know this god's with you right now he's got a great plan for today let's step into it let's step into it i love you guys a lot and we'll see you next week Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.